4: linkedin the place to be to be throwing it back to black tech green money
5: episode two brian michael cox is a music producer and songwriter responsible for more than 100 million album sales 35 number one hits and 12 grammy nominations including nine wins On one of the first episodes of Black Tech Green Money, I asked Brian about the value of building a strong network with people who are at or close to your level versus always reaching upward to try to get put on by someone much
2: further down the road. The majority of the help that I've been getting in my life for the past 15, 16 years have been directed from people that I came up with, whether it's the Shaka Zulus, whether it's the Alicia Butterfields, whether it's the, you know, Chad Johnson's, whether it's, you know what I mean? Uh, Chris Hicks, like these are people who, Chris Hicks was a little, he, he he helped me, he put me on. But if we look at it, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like we were learning that through learning together. I look at the people around me and the people who, who who helped me. They were definitely ahead of me, but they weren't Jimmy Iveen you know, they couldn't just cut a check and just save my life. We had to literally work you know, learn together and I needed them to guide me to get to those places. You know what I mean? I will say that, and then I looked at my peers, like a Valicia Butterfield, Christy Henderson. Any help that I need, I could just reach out for them. You know what I mean? That's my network. And we came up together, came from nothing. So I always tell people your network determines your net worth, right? So at the end of the day, yeah, you could like it, moving up is is a is a good thing. You know what I mean? If somebody can help you who's 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 in position to help you if, if if a if you're able to get to a puff or get to a you know they B be Cox or whoever right it's cool you know what i mean but at the end of the day i can help you get to point b but the the people that you surround yourself with are the ones that's going to be your your direct anchor you know what i'm saying because you're not going to call me for every little thing i can't call clive davis for every little thing I can't call Jimmy Iovine or, you know, I can't call, you know what I mean? But any, anything i got an issue with, anything I want to bounce off anybody I, 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 I bounce off, I can call Chris, easy. I can call Belisha, easy. I could call JQ, easy. I could call Jante, easy. You know what I mean? These are all people that we all came up together. The importance of having people around you and creating your network around you is, I mean, it's necessary because you might, you know, if you don't, you know, when the valleys hit and you out there by yourself, whew, my valleys hit, I was, I, I was in a good space because I, I wasn't out there by myself. I had people who I came up with and we can help each other and lean on each other.
5: I'm Will Lucas and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds and brilliant ideas. If you're Black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Dr. Key Hallman is the founder at the Village Market ATL, whose mission is to support the sustainability of socially conscious, community-minded black entrepreneurs and black-owned startups. I asked Dr. Key about the secret sauce to the blueprint, getting black entrepreneurs from different industries in the same commercial space with the goal of not only building their businesses, but our businesses.
1: I think the blueprint is together. I don't think I've created something that hasn't been done Uh, and I would tell you in 2016 I wasn't up against what we're all facing right now and that's being forced to be online. So pre-pandemic I I, I was team like we need to see each other in person, we need to figure out how to use our best gifts like if if your gift is whatever it is Will and my gift is whatever it is, my whole thought belief is that you're more powerful if I join with you and you join with me. And so even in this e-commerce space, I think there are some very unique opportunities for entrepreneurs, artisans, and great minds to collaborate. And a lot of that comes from conversations like this. So when we think, when we have these type of conversations, then we start to understand like what you're really about. Because what I know, especially about black folks, is always much more than just a t-shirt. It's always much more than, than, than the hair care products there's a story, there's a legacy behind that. And there's also an aspiration to create something that we've never seen. So the point of entry to me in collaboration, especially in this digital space, is getting on Zoom, getting cute, getting the lighting together and having a conversation about how we got started, what we're doing and what we can do together. I think those unified efforts in in these most intimate ways and also convenient ways of being able to communicate helps us start to establish what the partnerships look like in the 21st century. Now, when the world opens back up, there's nothing like being in a space, in a room, that synergy, you all do it at Afrotech, at Blavity, we do it at the Village Market. There's nothing like that vibration of being in a space of collaborative minds who are future thinking, but also who are so thankful to be in the present moment together. There's nothing, there's nothing like that. So I look forward to being in that space where we can comfortably convene together. But in the meantime, how we can collaborate is literally doing what you and I are doing right now.
5: And I've asked you this question before, but I want to make sure that people really get this next answer because what I don't want people to leave here with after they hear your beautiful words today, what I don't want them to leave with is the idea, well, I'm going to go support Black businesses because you don't go to Target to support Target. You just go there because they got what you need. And so how do we get over this idea that we have to quote unquote support, that our businesses need support versus they're looking for their consumers, and I'm, I'm shopping there because they provide value.
1: Indeed, and good question, and because I do truly believe support is a verb, but I also know there's a counter-narrative of how we talk about words, and words have power. So when you go on to buy from Black, it's because you want the best on your body, you want the best in your house. So I think it's the way that we think about and how we normalizing our intentionality of making sure we find and support a Black-owned business, that we intentionally buy from a Black-owned business. That's different than support. Support says, I can take it or leave it. But those things that we want, we heavily pursue those, even if it's not conveniently around the corner for us. So I think when we start thinking about about Black businesses, what we've seen due to centuries of redlining and things like that, it's not as quote-unquote convenient to find those Black-owned businesses. And so we are thinking about like, well, how do I do that in such a way I have to go and support it and do this thing. But what I tell the entrepreneurs in the village, and as I tell entrepreneurs who are in this space, I mean, folks are missing out if they're not rocking your product. Most are not people are missing out if you're not the black owned doctor that's taking care of their kids, if this is not the black owned school that's educating your young folks. And I think it's so it's the way that we talk about ourselves is the way that we start normalizing the narrative of what it means to just be about black business. And I think that's beyond quote unquote supporting because that sounds more philanthropic in nature and rather than making it just a part of our lifestyle and what we do.
5: What did you do at the village to ensure? The narrative around doing business with black-owned businesses was changing because you know we have this whole thing. You know, I can't do business with black folks because they ain't got good customer service. The whole thing. What did you do at the village to make sure, like, look, this is a place of excellence? And how did you how did you both in 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 inspire that with your your vendors, um, and then how did you shape that narrative with the people who would be coming there to shop?
1: Yeah, good, super good question again, and so even before we get to the vendors, even before we get to the consumers, I made sure that I had a good team. I made sure that I had a really good team that understood like, what we were striving to build because then it had to, these thoughts had to outlive me. Then we began to work with entrepreneurs, brands, i.e. vendors. And so our job is if you ever had issues with customer service, let us help you out there. And so that programmatic piece, before we, before we would do a marketplace, we work with entrepreneurs over a course of 30, um, 30 to 90 days to prepare them, what I said, to just be ready to be overwhelmed by a village of people who are seeking to buy. And so I think that programmatic component is what made sure that the insurance that when you came to the village market, that these, uh, these entrepreneurs, these brands are well prepared to meet you. We're well prepared to make sure that the POS systems are in place. We're well prepared to make sure that their mailing system is locked in, so you can be able to communicate with them after that, and that you have enough product, that your branding is there, that your marketing there, and so those that multi-pronged um, process of ensuring that the entrepreneurs were prepared to meet the village, and the only thing that we told the village that you don't want to miss this. If you think you've seen the, uh, the movie Wakanda, nothing like experiencing it because that's what the village market is. And I think again. I am a, I'm a former educator, but I truly understand the power of words. But when you beyond words, then you have to be able to meet that with a moment. I made sure that the village market literally dripped in excellence from the art on the wall to the brands that were showcasing to the musicians that were playing. And I, and I showed the plethora of what it means to be in a black artistic space, from jazz bands to uh, kid drummers, to uh, tap dancers, to live art, All of that is inside of the village market. And so I think when we talk about excellence, excellence is not siloed. It's not a a single narrative. And so it should be beyond just entrepreneurs. We should create whole experiences. But before we create that experiences, we have to make sure that the entrepreneurs are prepared to meet their consumer. Because at the end of the day, the only way that we can really ensure economic mobility, we have to buy.
0: How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is
5: something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities.
4: But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.
5: Well, let's talk about that program. Like, what, what do you do when somebody comes to you with a fantastic product on its face May not have the operational excellence. Like, talk to me about that program. You know, whatever that. I don't even want to use every word as curriculum, but talk to me about what that looks like over those. You know, periods of time where you're taking them before you put them on the floor. They're going through this process.
1: Sure, and, and so the curriculum is our word. You former teacher in me, so we, <laughs> we really build. <laughs> we really build a curriculum around this, and also that point of entry for us first is the application, and then we've created an amazing rubric where we are. I have a council of 13 scores uh, who rotate every uh, every 90 days who are looking at applications and we're looking at different things. We're looking at entrepreneurs to make sure that they have a way to uh, that the audience and their buyers can buy outside of the village market, meaning they have an e-commerce space that there is separation between their personal life and their brand identity. And if it's merging, it's merging in ways that make sense. Um, that is also very clear on message and what we're doing we we're truly striving for the upper, the upper mobility for all of us. So we're looking at these things now once entrepreneurs get accepted into the village or get accepted into our elevate program that's running now. Then they uh, then entrepreneurs have one on one meetings and interviews with business coaches. And so the questions we ask, what are your wildest dreams and what is it, what is it going to take you to get there. If target is your wildest dream, is it all, is, is the only target because it's the only thing you've seen? Or are you afraid to go build your own thing? And so we, we want to know those answers because that helps us create a place-based curriculum that makes sense to that entrepreneur. And so once the, once the entrepreneurs are accepted into the village and once in the village, you're always a villager. We don't believe in the council culture here. We prepare, we make sure that those entrepreneurs have honestly everything they need. So if there's there a gap in their website, if they're not checking, if they don't have SEO in place, if they're not looking at their analy- in their analytics, if they're not understanding their numbers, we have classes and workshops around that. And then we do the big reveal. Um, and that is all before the pandemic. Since the pandemic has happened, all of that has changed. And we have our Elevate program that runs every day uh, for sole proprietors. And so at the end of the Elevate program, um, entrepreneurs have an opportunity to be in our new retail space located at Ponce City Market that's open seven days a week. And, but will the, the catalyst of what we do and what makes the village market extremely special, we don't just throw entrepreneurs out there. Like we're literally hand in hand, we're on this journey together. If, you, if we grow, that means you have grown. And there's an honestly, we, what's so special about our work and I think other black led organizations There's not enough spaces created where entrepreneurs can test, refine, fail forward, fail completely uh, flat on their face, and then have counsel around them to help them solve some of these big problems, problems um, by way of capital, problems by way of scaling operations, problems with, I just have no idea what I'm doing. I, I, I thought I just wanted to sell a candle. Now I have all these thousands of units that's going out of the door and I have to grow to meet this moment. And so what we do is just make sure wherever the moment is, that there is somewhere in the village that can meet them where they are.
5: There's um, a phrase you used in there and you called it upper mobility. And I think too too often when we hear that phrase, it's just about economics. And there's also a point that you talked about, you know. Uh, in in other interviews I've read, where you talk about how food is important and how education is important. Can you talk about your idea of upward mobility with all those things holistically?
1: Yeah, well, you said the word. I think upward mobility, anything upward is holistic. I think the only way that things can move, it must create a complete circle. And so for me, the first point of entry is mental health. So before we talk about economics, before we talk about even education, if the mind isn't well, then it's hard to dream something bigger for yourself. It's, it's also hard to dream something bigger where you can actually believe that collaboration won't cut you out of the deal. And so it's like training our minds to think differently, training our minds to understand the generational curses are a very real thing, but we don't have to live and stay there. So we work um, hand-in-hand with a number of mental health practitioners, and we've done this for years to ensure that entrepreneurs, we start normalizing what therapy is. And so we can start literally trained here to start building. Now the upward mobility is mental health, making sure that entrepreneurs have the resources, the technical, technical assistance, the education in place, then we start focusing on how to truly scale a business because what I don't want to happen is that we rescale and then everything, everything is thriving except for us, that the money is sitting in a bank account. And, we, and, the, and this is the most isolated we've ever felt, the most heartbroken and lonely we've ever felt. And also, fear of even outgrowing where we are. And I think all of that goes to a place of wellness. Um, If entrepreneurs are like myself, the things I'm doing well, I have no relationship to it in my family. I'm first generation. My sister and I are college graduates, first generation entrepreneur in this way, Uh, with the exception of my great grandparents being entrepreneurs in Mississippi. But in the way that I'm doing it, I haven't I haven't seen this before. And so another part of that upward mobility is understanding that to be upward, you have to have peers of like mind and in like intention and like enthusiasm to help you figure this thing out that many of us are experiencing for the first time.
5: Yeah, I would imagine you've had this experience, but i talk talked to a lot of people who run like small business. They maybe they make candles, maybe they, you know, do shea butter, like just whatever, you know, thing that they can whip up in their kitchen and too many of them in my mind, because I want to get your opinion, and I don't want to like, you know, spoil the water before I put this over to you, is, you know, they're happy with just selling a few. They're happy with just making enough with their thing to say they did a thing. What do you think is the root of that, number one? And is, is it something that needs to be solved? And if so, how do we solve this idea that we can only be as big as this?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's a thing that you solve like an equation. I think it's a journey of wellness. I think as we love ourselves more, we know the capacity in which that we can achieve things. I think we are almost sometimes a little afraid that if this grows to something else, there's more exposure to me, there's more opportunity for me to fail. Limited thinking is something that is ingrained due to deep oppression. It's hard for us in many people to start visualizing themselves being like, a mogul in the industry because they have never seen it. And they think that's only for a select few that has to be and sound a certain way and come from a certain thing. But all of it again goes to mindset. And mindset is only that relationship to environment. And so the solution is how do we nurture our environment? How do we nurture ourselves that it can be more than it can be more than a candle. We can literally create the jar that every candle needs we can create the wax that I'm sure, and I'm, I'm soar free, I'm hoping, soy candles and, and, and all these candles out there that people are looking for, that we can be we can be on the manufacturing end. So I think that proximity of seeing people who have done it, and I shared this to a, a good friend of mine um, just this past weekend, he talked about the things that he wanted to do. And the reason why he believed he can do all these things is because he's had a vast number of experiences that's being so close to proximity to it. And so I don't think the solution is something is one plus one equals two. I think it's the journey of understanding that there's a parts of us that need to be healed. Parts of us that we don't even know how great we can be. And I I actually talked to my doctor and she shared that many of us have no idea how great we can feel because we've never experienced being that healthy before. And I think um, visions and aspirations are the same. So it'll be a side hustle because you don't know you can do anything else. And I press upon everyone that the gift of vision is already anointed. I want folks to truly understand that everyone everyone does not get the vision to create a path for themselves. And when you get it, you don't even have to worry about imposter syndrome. You have already been given the first thing that you need and that's the seed of a big vision. So just, I mean, go after it. I, I unapologetically go after everything that is in my mind because I know that it is divinely protected. What I don't do is go after things that I know are not for me though. And you can feel it.
5: I love that, I love that. Um, How closely tied is civil rights, um, social equality, closing health disparities to economic power? And I wanna ask this specifically of you because you you sound like almost self-proclaimed social entrepreneur, which means you're not just in it for the money. But how closely tied are those things to economic power?
1: Yes, uh, I mentioned earlier about redlining and that was created to literally starve communities. And so if a community does not have a place where people can eat healthy foods, if there is no way that kids can be educated, then that, that community would always be a desert and desert is with, without things that people can do to survive and live. And so economic mobility, that whole picture again, all of that has to be included. And that social entrepreneur in me, I'm always thinking about beyond the foods that we're eating, what type of foods are we eating and what is it doing to our bodies? What type of things are we reading? How are we educating our children? How are we educating ourselves? because what it's going to take and what it's going to require for us to really move our community forward is that we're thinking about all these things all the time. Now, you don't have to be the magician. You don't have to be the one that has the magic in that area. That's why we have the village. But I do think comprehensive development, comprehensive community building and thinking about where we can be 10, 15 years from now is going to require us to start thinking about the foods that, we, that we're eating again what's happening in our communities, why it's not happening in our communities, but then taken and honestly, for Black folks to know that this was created by design, and we know how something is designed, you have a much better way of being able to tackle it, but it's not something that can be tackled overnight. It's going to require people to separate their privilege, um, because sometimes we're super happy to be at the table. We're so happy that we're outside of that neighborhood that we grew up, and I get it. But the, but the thing about growing up in a neighborhood or growing up in the country in Mississippi like I did and knowing that those disparities exist, those of us who have, have an opportunity to get out, then our job is to do is to literally go back. And, and if we think about the civil rights movement, the leaders understood their call. They understood their charge. When we think about the great migration from Mississippi to Chicago. My family left Mississippi to go to Chicago, but they were supposed to go to create a better pathway, create a better life. And so what we can't do is to understand that we're supposed to create something better, then we just stop and we never go back. So our mobility truly has to do with how we think about our positioning power and leveraging it to bring the community forward.
5: Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money.
4: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
5: I, I want to talk about this social entrepreneurship thing. Again, like this is not something, this is not a business you build just because you a billion people are going to use it, you're going to be this trillionaire, like, you know, Jeff Bezos. Although you can do well while doing well, I want you to talk about how that works because there, I would imagine that there's aspiring Dr. Keys out there who in their other town may, you know, think about putting together a market or doing something else, um, but they haven't not, not yet figured out how to do well while doing well. Talk. Can you speak on that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I mean, you said it will. You can. You can do well while doing well. Um, the goal is to not stay where we've always been. It's all right to make money. It's not right to be inauthentic. It's not right to just do things for the money. Um, But in order for us to seek any sense of economic liberation it's going to require many of us to start making money and put that money together to build things that we have never seen. So with those social entrepreneurs like myself out there, I can just tell you what I've done. I can only speak about from my own experiences. I made sure that the village was very, it was very clear on what our intentions were, but I made sure that at the, in the background of that, that I had a comprehensive business plan with verticals in place. What is the nonprofit arm and what is the for-profit arm? And it's okay to exist in both spaces, the doing good to do good. But then that for-profit is to make sure that you can bring your team on, that, that I have nephews who, are, who I, I'm i hoping one day that I can hand something off to them and, and when it comes to land value and things like that. But I can't do that if I'm only in the space of doing things out of place with my heart when I'm not thinking about what is that financial impact that financial gain but one thing that I don't compromise and I'm and I'm hoping no social entrepreneur or any black entrepreneur I don't think you ever should compromise your people and I know that's hard I know it's hard when things come at you and you're like man this is good but we all have that intrinsic thing that happens inside of us when we know that something is deeply out of alignment that level of discomfort that we have to live and experience when we do things out of alignment is not worth it all money as our grandparents would say not good money so leave that not good money over there and make some really good money and make sure you hire a really good team because once you hire that really good team then you're able to scare your business but it put the verticals in place to make sure that the revenue model is solid make sure there's enough after your revenue model is is solid and you can go out there and if you want to give grants and things like that, but it's hard to give from a place where you don't have things.
5: You see, I'm sure, a lot of small businesses who just aren't ready to be in the village market. And I'm wondering what are some of those things that people don't have in place that they're not even ready yet for that? And talk about some of the tactical things they should be doing you know, to be able to be ready for whether, whether it's a village market or, or just doing business period, things that you need to do.
1: Yeah. So, um, for any entrepreneur in the village or wherever you, the first part to make sure you're prepared is make sure your business is legit. So have you, have you done all the things that legitimizes your business? Like that's the Instagram blue check, I guess. Have you got your business license in place? Because there's going to come a time where you, where, especially when we get this banking stuff together, that you may need access to capital, you may need a line of credit, you may need a loan. And so what they're, what the first thing that they're going to ask you for is how many times will you file taxes? And you can't sit with a blank stare. So the only way that you can file taxes, you got to make sure you have a legit business uh, in place. And a lot of, and I understand the intimidation factor of that, but getting it legit, meaning getting your certification is not... It's not a hard process. It's just sitting down and doing it. Um, Starting there, that's the first step of uh, making sure your business is legit. And then just being very clear on what are those short and long-term goals. And I will say your short-term goals don't have to be the same what you see as the highlight reel of some of the people who you look up to on Instagram. I mean, if we're catching a highlight reel, you missing all the years that they had to put in to even create the highlight reel. So I wouldn't even assess that. I would put that as the long term, but in the short term, you want to make sure that your your brand identity is solid. These colors that you're choosing, these words that you're using, that voice and brand voice, like what are you about? If people never see your face, but met your company, what do you want them to see? That's the stuff that you start thinking about. Who is that customer? Who is that customer that will go, that will shop from you during the pandemic, after the um, pandemic? start considering who that person is. And then from a very tactical sense, I recommend everyone getting an accountant and getting a small business attorney. And there's organizations like the SBA that you can work with and that's throughout the country to make sure that you have those two people in place. I find that to be number one because they're gonna make sure how I started this, they're gonna make sure that you are legit because you have to be prepared But when the great day comes, when all the algorithms collide together and you see yourself popping, you gotta be prepared for that customer overflow. It is going to happen if you continue to push at it and work at it. Um, But I really wanna share again, beyond those tactical senses, it is so important to disconnect from social sometimes. Because if you would look at the progression the highlight reel of other people, you will constantly feel that you're failing you will constantly feel that there is no space for you that is oversaturated, that I can't do it like this person. And as long as you're watching that, that is stifling what you can truly be and what you can truly become. So another another tactical sense of getting pre- prepared is getting unplugged. You have to be clear on what you are striving to build and why you are striving to build it. And then you start creating your plan behind that. But it, my advice for those first investments, and this is just what I did, I got my accountant. I got my small business attorney, and now I'm at the place where I can hire somebody who's always there. But at first, these were just contract folks who I could afford um, when it was important. But but you get to the place where you're able to keep these people on staff.
5: Um, there, I would just say Atlanta's a special place. It's, it is just it's a special place, especially for Black people. It's a special place, and. It's not like, to me, like rocket science that this works in Atlanta because Atlanta's day number one, you and plus Atlanta is going to work. How does this work outside of Atlanta? So if, if, if I am you and I'm trying to grow or I'm aspiring you and I'm in a town that's like, okay, how do you build community around commerce and black vendors and consumers? How do you do
1: that? outside of Atlanta. Yeah, good, and fair question. So I also think Atlanta is a very special, special city. But if you take the word Atlanta the way Atlanta is comprised of people, every community, every city has people. Every city has folks that just like Dr. Key and like Will. Now we may have our own flavor to it, but there's people out there who want to be disruptive and want to do things that they've never seen before. You get all those disruptive people in a room together and you start thinking of the master plan. And this is in Baseball, Mississippi, where I'm from, um, to Ohio, to Detroit. You can do the same thing. All like-minded people need to start getting in the room and talking together, talking about insecurity so we can go on and get that out of the way. Start talking about these big plans that we have and what we can do collaboratively together and what connections we have, because then we bring those connections together. Now we have a working ecosystem in our, in our community that we can start plug and play. But I truly believe Atlanta, it has all the secret sauce, but Atlanta has the secret sauce of, of, of people who decided to bring that sauce together in order to get something done. And so do I think this can happen in Mississippi? Yes. Do I think it can happen across the country? It doesn't matter if the city is hot Atlanta or not. I really do. I think it all deals with the people that you are in close proximity. And it takes how what you and I are doing today. It takes communication. It takes uh, authenticity. It takes talking about things that we are not subject to talking about a whole lot. Those things that make us insecure and then we start working together before we ever start working together. Having these conversations and saying like, what's, like, what's the goal? Because the, regardless of how well I may be doing, how well you may be doing Will, none of us are doing well enough. One of us, none of us individually have, can even imagine the potential of where we can be if we keep our minds that strong and continue to work forward and work together. So yeah, collaboration, city to city conversations, um getting those networks in the room all the plugs in the community getting getting them all in the same room and understand that the only way we can conquer this thing it has to be done together.
5: Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearby. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanian. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop to Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show change the drive to work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the stories change your perspective connecting changes everything AT&T